Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back inside the Tall Can Audio Studio for the first time in 2023. It's going to be a great year. We're kicking it off with our buddy Steve Bunda back in here to help us. Uh, yeah, first show of the new year. What's happening, man? Oh, man. Well, one, I feel pretty special that you asked me to be the first guest of 2023, but I also am not sure how 2023 is going to look for you now that you have me as the featured first guest. So could go either way, Matt. And once again, the fans didn't know that I was coming. They must have thought, I think they're taking holidays right now with sure. this time of Out the of year. Town a little. They don't know what's going on. So all the fans that normally hang around downstairs with their tall can audio signs, they weren't around, so but I'm going to make sure I sneak out the back door after this episode to make sure I still don't get seen. Um, you know how it goes, man. Uh, to quote a very wise band from their classic rock tune, what's my age again? Oh, man. Nobody likes 2023, I believe is the lyric. Oh, man. So. Well, one, the fact that you call Blink classic kills me, and I'm pretty sure it kills you to it, say it, It too. hurts a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, you know where we start, man? What'd you pull out of the magic fridge? Yeah, man. I went with a castle. Yeah. Okay. Nice yeah. craft artisanal lager. It's about four and a half percent. But, uh, one of the last times I was here, I tried the castle brewery company, a couple of those, mm-hmm. but I did not try the lager. Okay. So I'm going to give this one. It's got a really cool can with a cooler full of beer and a acoustic guitar. So it's kind of feels like it's got like the grass on it. Like you're about to have a nice open fire and you're going to have that guy that's sitting around the fire that doesn't really know how to play guitar, but he's trying to play guitar. But listen, <laughs> we I all went to, to college it's with smoke that on the water. Let me just try and start this out right yeah. now. <laughs> all right. It's Wonderwall coming up next. Like, and then there you go. Everyone's like, all right, I've had enough of this guy, but. Uh, went to college with one of those guys, love him to death, but he absolutely stunk. Uh, but he brought his guitar <laughs> just about everywhere we went and, um. But uh, shout out to Mark if he's listening. Sup, uh, <laughs> Mark? Yeah, I miss you, buddy. Uh, not really missing your guitar playing, but uh, but miss you. Um, yeah, I think we're getting close to the end of the castle there. That was one I placed, an order I placed maybe mid-November, late November uh, to try some of their stuff. I think we've just a bit worked our way through it there between uh, myself and, and some good guests like yourself. Uh, I have t- pulled out one. That's been sitting in there for a bit. I haven't been brave enough to try it. And maybe it would have been more appropriate to try kind of in the holiday season as opposed to kind of the first show out of it. But, uh, and actually with the pumpkin on the can, I may be like two holidays behind, but uh, that's okay. Uh, This is called the Theater of Madness from the Flying Monkeys Brewing Company up in Barrie, 6%. I know, you know, you and I kind of both had our eye on it there in the fridge before the show started. No, you know me, I'm the Halloween guy one. It's true. But like, I love monkeys. Monkeys are my favorite animal. I could watch monkey videos all day. So flying monkeys yeah. and their theater of madness with a pumpkin and the Halloween, like it screams my name. Yeah. I've had it a couple times. So. Okay. I'm re- I'm absolutely was willing to give you that can of beer to make you. You become- defer, man. You were very generous. I, pref- I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. But because I want you to get more Halloween in your system. <laughs> right, right here on the first show, 2023, we're getting ready for Halloween already. Oh, Christmas I've is ne- over. Let's go. I've never Countdown's had this on. one. Uh, 6%. And I can smell it before I've even sipped it here. It, it says, uh, the, the description there, when you, you pull it up on untapped, says it is a pumpkin slash yam beer. Yeah. <laughs> so smells like fall leaves, smells yeah. like pumpkin, smells like horror movies. They say it's going to be a little spicy, Tri- so we'll try this. Trick yeah. or treating, give her a rip. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's got that spice. It got like this tastes like fall. 
That's which it's like. supposed to, right? Uh, obviously. So, uh, and it kind of blends in with a couple that I tried over the holiday season. One was called a Christmas Town Spice Dale, and uh, the other one was uh, a Three Scrooges Spice Dale. So I guess it, that that trend kind of drifts from fall right into Christmas pretty easily. So um, this is fitting in quite nicely. I I do enjoy it. It's not too overpowering for something that's, you know, 6%, starting to trend just a little above average. But uh, yeah, pretty nice, man. I'm glad you let me have this. Hey, listen, like I said, you need some Halloween in your system. <laughs> you can get the countdown going, and I'm glad you like it more than the Christmas beers. How was the, uh, you were in two weeks, three weeks, something like that, just before Christmas anyway. Mm-hmm. How was the holiday season for you, man? Not bad. Yeah, I got uh, a couple days off here and there, uh, right around Christmas and right after uh uh, I guess Christmas before uh, New Year's, I had about uh, three or four days of just being able to relax, get some family time, uh, catch up with a couple of buddies. I know the weather wasn't great for everybody uh, around the Christmas time, and I know a lot of people struggled to get home. You keep the power, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to to have all that. My family was one of my friends. I went over to his house and. We, uh, we usually get together every Christmas and we watch the Trailer Park Boys Christmas yeah, special nice. and we drink about a bottle of rum and we just <laughs> have a great night. And uh, I was over at my mom's who he lives only a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple kilometers away from, uh, give or take five. Sure. And he had no power all day. He was texting me at like 10 in the morning. He's like, hey man, like, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. We have no power. My mom's like, hey, I've got power. So I went to my mom's and I hung out there all day. Yeah. Then went over to my buddy's when he got power around six or seven o'clock at night. But after that, it was good. Got uh, my favorite thing. It's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm a very strange dude. I think you know this. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite Christmas gifts I get every year is from my uncle. And it's a, it's a Paris wool socks. Okay. I love wool socks. Yeah. I also have like sweaty, stinky feet, which people don't probably want to know, <laughs> but I just, I love wool socks and I get a pair every year and it's just like, I don't know why, like I got like some other great gifts as well, mm-hmm. you know, money, gift cards, a couple sure. of clothes, whatever it is, but there's just something about wool socks that I just absolutely love. So I got that. So I feel pretty good about, uh, you know, how my holidays and Christmas went, got away to the cottage for a couple of days, drank lots, had lots of uh, fun with my family, my cousins and being around everyone. So my holidays were good, man. How was, how was your couple on a weekday? Yeah. You had uh, lots of time to just, you, you know, reflect on talking audio of 2022. Yeah, it was gorgeous, man. Um, we were planning to hit it out of here on Friday afternoon, the 23rd and around Tuesday started looking at the forecast and they're calling for this, you know, storm of a generation. <laughs> it was it had so many names, didn't it? Honestly. And they, they were, they were building it up big. And so we basically just decided, fuck that, like drop everything, get as much done as you possibly can on Wednesday. And instead of leaving Friday afternoon, the 23rd, we were going to peace out early Thursday morning, the 22nd. And so got that done. And when we got down to, uh, the family cottage, everybody had sort of kicked it around that way. And let's make sure we just get where we're going. Mm -hmm. And for the first day, day and a half, um, my sister and I both had some stuff to do that we hadn't gotten finished, but at least the stressful part, right? The travel part was behind you yeah. and there's internet at the cottage. Like it, it, you were able to, to do what needed to get done. And then after that, everything was awesome. Uh, there was a couple friends here and there that I'd hoped to see that I wasn't able to make happen, but in terms of family got to see just about everybody, right. Uh, you know, in some cases it was just a lunch that, you know, between Christmas and new years, but like with the nieces and nephews got to spend uh, plenty of time with them. Uh, I have a nephew who's, who's four years old and he's never really 
He's never really cared all that much about Matt before. <laughs> He's fairly indifferent, and we don't see each other all that often living four years away, or four hours away from each other. And for whatever reason, this year, uh, he was into Uncle Matt, and we were able to get some playing done. A lot of dinosaur games on the floor. He's big oh. into dinosaurs. Uh, he got this massive Hot Wheels garage from my uh, from my parents, his grandparents. And so he wanted just about everybody to play that with him, right? And, uh, you know, these Hot Wheels, they go up. You can park anywhere. You get your car washed or you can have your car worked on. And when Man. it goes up to the top of the garage, it goes down the track. And this giant dinosaur leaps out and tries to grab the car off the track with it's everything about it. Jurassic was, Park 2 is a lost exactly, world. Exactly, man. Yeah, okay. like I, I'm pushing 40 sitting over here, and I was like, this is cool. <laughs> We've <laughs> seen this movie. I had to say to him, like, <laughs> can I play this with you? And at first he's like, no, <laughs> this is just mine. But eventually he wanted people to play with him. And so I, I had an awesome holiday, man. It was it was great to just, you know, get down there, uh, beat the storm. And honestly, where we were, the storm didn't get that bad. Now, all along the lake, right, down by the 401, yeah. people got absolutely crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were a bit north of that, more close to Highway 7, and it got windy, mm-hmm. but it wasn't too bad. And, and the biggest fear we had wasn't so much the snow, it was how strong were the winds going to get and would that take out the power. But we got pretty lucky, like it honestly wasn't that bad near us. And, mm-hmm. you know, you watched, you know, the way southwestern Ontario got it, maybe Kingston, Coburg, that area got yeah. it. Uh, we got off pretty lucky, but I had a nice holiday, man. It was, uh, it was just good to get down there and, and see some family and yeah, recharge a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, seeing the 401 have to be closed because yeah. of the wind and the whiteouts that was happening. That was crazy. On the via trains, some of them were yeah. backed up like 15, 17 hours. Oh just man. To get from Montreal to Toronto, like supposed to be a four hour trip. Everything. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And. You know, I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for those that, you know, had plans ruined or weren't able to do what they could because of it. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to, to hear those stories. And, and I think one thing we both, you know, didn't bring up yet, but it was like, there was a good amount of sports and, and oh, fun yeah. stuff over the last couple of weeks too, that, you know, it always, uh, you know, world juniors is always around this time, but mm-hmm. some good football games, both in college football and the NFL, you had the world juniors, some solid NHL games. It's like that. You get more time to be Some able to Spangler watch it. Cup, if that's your thing, I would encourage people to go back and check out during the holidays on Boxing Day. We talked to Paul <laughs> Romanuk, who's called a pile of World Juniors, called a pile of Spangler mm. Cups. He was on the podcast. So I believe that was episode 1048. You can check that out at tallcanaudio.com or whatever app you're hearing us on right now. Uh, Romy's always been an awesome guest to us, and uh, and he was willing to, to jump in, talk holiday hockey. Um, you're right, man. There's been a ton going on, and maybe a decent place to start is I'd be curious how interested you still are in these outdoor games because the NHL just put on another one. Uh, it was the Penguins and Bruins at Fenway Park. Yeah. Now, we've seen the Penguins a bunch of times. We've seen the Bruins a bunch of times in these outdoor games. We've actually been to Fenway before for an outdoor game. Um, they've moved off of January 1st, I guess, partly because of the bowl games that get played partly because this year anyway, it was a Sunday, right? So NFL mm-hmm. kind of owns, um, you know, owns that time. NFL's king, baby. Yeah. And you don't want to go head to head. I do understand that. But the, even before this year, they were sort of losing their appeal. I'll be honest with you. The first couple of years, I I wouldn't miss them, right? Like you're seeing Wrigley Field for the first time have hockey. You were mm-hmm. seeing Madison's or... Uh, Yankee Stadium, 
Um, Ralph Wilson Stadium did it. Like the first few years that they did it, the, obviously the very first one was up in Edmonton in 2003, the Heritage Classic with the the Habs and the Oilers. Soup on the bench. <laughs> yeah, man. And they, they had like... Uh, Minus 57. Yeah. <laughs> so these were were really cool. And I've been to two. I was at the big house in oh. uh, 2013 in 2014. That was amazing. Leafs Red Wings in the middle of a blizzard with 100,000 people in the stadium. It was incredible. I had a blast. And I was at the Centennial Classic uh, 2000, I think, 16 into 17. Uh, so that's the first year of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and they host okay. the Red Wings at BMO. Um, and to be there was amazing. It was so much fun. But I've sort of lost interest in getting up and, and watching these games on, on TV. I think they overdid it, right? They started to do the, the um, what are they called? Like the stadium series yeah. or whatever. And instead of just the one winter classic, we'll do like five a year. Yeah. They just started to wear it out. Are you still interested in these things? Did you watch any of this year's winter classic? Where are you at with it, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of exactly where you are. The first couple were cool. And I'm at the point now where... Um, I was lucky enough when it came to Ottawa to be able to be around and cover and host around the, the outdoor game on parliament with yeah. the Sens alumni and then having them, you know, at the at TD place, have their outdoor game there. I was able to do those back-to-back days. I remember I think I spent almost a whole day on parliament Hill. I think I was frozen. I had snow. That pants. one was bitterly cold. I, I was in a snowmobile outfit the whole day. Both <laughs> days were freezing. Cause then the next day I worked in the press box with the Montreal Canadiens broadcast, which was in the TV booth, which doesn't have a lot of cover or heat. <laughs> and I was frozen, man. Yeah, it, yeah. it was uh, not ideal, but it was, it was absolutely cool to be a part of it and, uh, see both of those games. Like I know that, you know, everybody wanted the big game. Sons versus the Habs on Parliament Hill, but it you know went to TV. They place. could have found a way to get that done on Parliament Hill. It would have been incredible. Incredible. It was yeah. such a cool backdrop, and yes. I think they left it open for a couple of weeks for fans and people to go skate, skate on yes. and get pictures. And it was, it was really cool. And I think it was right after that where I've kind of really just checked out. And that was 2017, yep. I believe it was. You know, Ottawa 50, and it was really cool uh, to be a part of it. In terms of watching and caring, I, I've lost that aspect. Like I've, I like a couple, like Notre Dame Stadium hosting the one. I'm pretty sure we, the joke is that the Blackhawks are always in an outdoor yep. game because they always are. Yes. And it just, it is what it is. But well, it's um, like the NHL has redone the original six. It's yeah. like the, the Blackhawks, Red Wings, Capitals, Penguins, Flyers, Bruins is basically the original six. Now. Exactly. <laughs> and it's it's just what the way they like to do it. And I, I get the appeal, but I feel like the appeal is there if it's if you're there. Yes. Right? Like the idea of watching on TV, you know what? I'll I'll see the pictures on Twitter, Facebook, wherever it is online, the highlights. Like I'm cool about that. But like, you know, and you know, you brought up the the game over the weekend at Fenway. I you know, I think the coolest part of the whole game was seeing the Boston Bruins, who are just ridiculous right now in hockey, and yes. I don't even know how first to, in the league, yeah, well, by a good margin, yeah, with the yeah. least amount of games played too. It just it's ridiculous, but seeing them come off the bus in the Red Sox, I'm a Red Sox fan, yeah. So those old school Red Sox uniforms, they got the baseball bats, seeing Bergey and seeing Marshy and all those guys come out onto the like off the when bus. the Penguins, it got less that was play. Cool. They did the same thing. They came out in the Pirates, yeah, stuff, and you're wearing the old school like fedoras and top yeah. hats and so it was really well presented that way and and I think that's where we've arrived right is in a very similar place to how the NHL All-Star game looks where mm. you know it's it's kind of fun kids around the league really love watching all the stars and whatever but for if you're an adult 
unless it's in your market, it's kind of, eh, right? Like, mm. and like I said, I've been to two and I had a blast both times. But to just sit back and watch them on TV now, if there's nothing else on and I got nothing else going on, yeah, fine, I'll watch it like I'd watch any other hockey game. But it was sort of, I don't know. I think I'm sort of over it for the most part. And and like Fenway, we've done that. We've been there. There is no way they've already exhausted mm-hmm. every cool, you know, backdrop or venue um, already to have mm-hmm. to go back to Fenway. This was very clearly a favor to the Fenway Entertainment Group who owns uh, the Red Sox and Fenway Park and then also owns the Pittsburgh Penguins somehow. So <laughs> we can bring them in to our venue, even though they don't own the Bruins. This can like the Fenway group just bought the Penguins within the last like two years. And so this was clearly obviously part of that deal. We'll, we'll get this done and, and get you guys an outdoor game, but there's so many other places. And I think back to that lockout year or lockout year, sorry, stays on the tip of my tongue with Gary in charge. The, uh, <laughs> that half year, the COVID year. Yeah. And they had that game at Lake Tahoe with no fans yeah. and right on the edge of the lake. That was awesome. Yeah. Now, I get it. You, it's, a, it's not a moneymaker because you didn't sell 30, 40, 50,000 seats. It was just for TV because if you recall at that time, there was no one in the stadiums anyway, right? Mm. You, could, you weren't allowed. If they were ever prepared to do that as a regular thing, not necessarily Lake Tahoe, but make it a made-for-TV event instead of a made-for-fans event, you could do some really cool shit. Like, mm-hmm. if you remember back a couple of years ago, Molson was running those commercials when they put the rink on the top of a, uh, a skyscraper yeah. in Toronto. You could play an NHL game there if you weren't trying to sell 40,000 seats, right? Like, there would be so many cool things if you were willing to just bite it for one day and make it a, a made-for-TV event instead of a made-for-40,000-fans event. And I, that that's totally a subjective thing, in my opinion. I would like to see more of that. Yeah what half the fun is for the fans being there. But I, I just thought, man, if we're already redoing stadiums, like Fenway's cool and everything. I, I get that, but we've already done it and there's a pile of them still out there. Yeah. And, and I guess the toughest part is you have, like they need to try and make some money off of it, yeah. whether it's, you know, selling tickets or whatever. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm cool for some new and different and unique and exciting backdrops. I think Lake Louise is one that gets brought up so often, how cool that would be. But you go back to Lake Tahoe and that was a great game, but you know, the ice was terrible Yes, and like everything about that game was kind of cool, but like they had to take like a pause. They did. They, they had to delay it, come back and play it at night. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was too warm or the glare. It was the glare and it was too warm. And during the day, I, I remember I was just talking to my cousin about this, who I went to the Centennial classic, um, at BMO with, uh, on New Year's Eve, we were remembering this, that that game was a New Year's Day game, Leafs-Red Wings in Toronto, just off of Lake Ontario there at BMO Field. And we got a, a notification at like 10 a.m. I think puck drop was supposed to be at 1. We're pushing it back at least an hour because there was too much glare on the ice. Yes. And like hockey is the only sport in the world where you're like, it's too nice out, sorry, we can't play right now. Right? <laughs> like it's, it's sunny and so we can't do this. Um, and like the weather turned out to be fine, but the sun on the ice was creating this glare. And so they had to delay it a little bit. And that's the complete opposite of what would have happened. NFL, MLB, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just, uh, sorry, it's too nice out right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. no. So I, I get to the point too. And especially right when they, they usually air these stadium and outdoor games around this time of the year when there's so much more that's appealing to me. Yeah. 
Like, unless it's my favorite team or a team I really care about. Like yeah, I there's said, bowl games going yeah, on. Oh, so many bowl last games. Last week or two of the NFL. Yeah, if it's not, you know, the Leafs, the Sens, you know, crazy World unique. Juniors. Yeah, crazy unique games that are in the outdoor game or stadium series games or whatever they are. Yeah, I'll probably overpass now. Just like I said, the 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 whole excitement level is gone for me. Yeah. And like, unless you're going to wow me with something crazy I have never seen before, like I said, I'll catch it on social media. Sure. Not a big deal. There's a lot of big time bowl games, which, you know, are, are so much more fun. But you go to a ba- like, and that's the other thing. Like, it's a regular season game in January, outdoor game. Like, I get it. I remember it was back in the day when. There was so much snow. I can't remember which outdoor game it was, but it just wouldn't stop snowing. It was it was the Penguins and Capitals. I there might was have one been. that was well. Th- uh- the Pens played in one at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh that was like mm. nine degrees and rained. Yeah. Um. But there was there was, sh- was Sabers and Penguins at Ralph Wilson, and that was the one that went to a shootout. Crosby scores and the snow coming down. That yeah. was pretty cool. The one in Detroit that I went to, Leafs at Red Wings was a blizzard. They stopped that yeah. game like every four minutes to shovel the ice. Yeah. Um, so. And that's and that's where I think my idea was like, you know what, it's a regular season game in January. It's like, but those two points mean something. Yeah, yeah. And if you miss the playoffs by two points, it's like, well, we didn't have optimal conditions and there's snow. So like, I get the argument. Like I see people complaining about it. It's, it's whatever. But, you know, I'll, from my perspective, it's like, okay, well, I'll look at it in a sense of if it's something that really draws me in, I'll check it out, but I, I, I'm not, hey, man, look at this outdoor game. And I get it. People love it. People absolutely love it, and it's cool, but it's like it's just not my thing. I think they just go to the well a little too often on it, too. And, and yeah. they did announce that next year will be Vegas at Seattle, at yeah. T-Mobile Park in, uh, in Seattle. Um, and this will be the first time that an MLB All-Star game and a Winter Classic will be played in the same ballpark within six months of each other for whatever that's worth to people. I don't know. This is kind of neat. It, it's your two newest franchises, which have actually both turned out to be big money makers right off the hop. And and maybe that's to be expected, right? With a little bit of the novelty still a thing. But I think it's kind of neat to have, could you somehow build that into a rivalry as the two newest uh, franchises in the league? But they're going somewhere new. They're rewarding those franchises for buying in. Um, Vegas, you could do it. Like we saw what was it like 1990 when it was Kings and Kings and Rangers outside in the parking lot at Caesar's palace. Well, they did um, a couple of years ago too. It, it, where, where was it in LA? LA did it, but Vegas doesn't have a facility. Like their, yeah. their football stadium is enclosed, right? Cause it's yeah, a thousand yeah. degrees all the time, but Vegas would build you a temporary <laughs> facility. Oh, like yeah. it's just that kind of city. Uh, but going to Seattle is cool. Obviously that was kind of a reward for those ownership groups getting in early. And, um, there was some complaints that Vancouver fans thought they maybe should have been the opponent at T-Mobile park against Seattle, uh, given the geographic rivalry. Uh, any thoughts at all on that? Does this matchup grab you? Would you have been more interested at all? Had it been Vancouver or was this the way to go? Yeah, no, No. I, I, that doesn't. Whatever. Not moving the needle for you. Not at all. Like I said, that's another game where, you know, and I think that's where I'm maybe getting old with it too is how, you know, they just love the stadium, like the baseball stadiums. Like it's cool, like you said, like that that they are going to have a all-star game and then they're going to have an outdoor game. But like if you know what would drag, like I'd be down for 
it'd be let's do it in Vegas on the strip somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like let's do it somewhere Back cool. At like, Caesars. Yeah, maybe even go a little bit more, you know, outside of Vegas and hey, let's do it near the Grand Canyon. So find, like find somewhere cool and unique that you know, has that ability to really draw people in another baseball stadium between Vegas, Seattle, like you said, I'm on, I'm on board with both, you know, rewarding the two. Do I care that Vancouver's well, it could give rat's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Don't care. And if fans are going to complain about that, it's like, dude, what are you like? Maybe you're just sour that they don't have a real rivalry opponent out west, right? Because you got the Calgary Edmonton. Well, remember, Vancouver hosted one. I think it was against Ottawa. It was actually. against Ottawa, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like BC Place is not an outdoor no, stadium. It, it, it wasn't was very a, cool. Like, it wasn't. It no. really wasn't. You, they just don't really have a venue for it. And I, I, I think you're right. I think it's a little sour grapes to say it should have been us instead of. And the other thing is. For American TV. I don't care that much either, too. Like, yeah. that's my other thing. But for American TV, they don't care about the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, they gosh, want two yeah. American markets. Like, it, you're pushing your luck when they include the Leafs, right? But at least it's the Leafs. It's a, the, a giant fan base, right? It's a, mm-hmm. You can maybe make a little bit of money. And I think Boston one year hosted the Habs at Gillette Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, I think. But that's it. For Canadian teams, you, you, there's just no money to be made on TV when you bring Canadian teams in, whereas... If you do two American teams, you get two American markets watching and there's more money to be made on, on commercials and stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, it didn't really bug me either. I just thought it was noteworthy, but I, I don't know. It could be fun out in Seattle. It's a new market, new, uh, and you could tie in some things, you know, we were talking about the fedoras and the top hats and stuff at Fenway. Would you have everybody come out for the, the pregame skate at, uh, at T-Mobile park in Seattle wearing their hats backwards, like Griffey? Like, mm-hmm. could you do something like that? Uh, That'd be pretty cool. Y- you think about the entertainment that you could have between periods, you know, could you get Pearl Jam in there? Could you get Dave Grohl, who was such a big part of, of Nirvana? Like there's some musical stuff you could do in Seattle. Like I'm interested to see what they'll do there. And I, I do think more often than not, I prefer the baseball stadiums to the football stadiums. A, just because of. I think it makes more sense to do thirty-five to forty thousand than seventy to seventy-five thousand, but I just think baseball stadiums are more unique. Like most football stadiums are pretty cookie cutter, right? Yeah. You got the you got the couple rows or you know the the couple decks up each side, and then that's that. Whereas a baseball stadium, you know, Wrigley is cool, Fenway is cool, Yankee Stadium is cool. Like they're all kind of different, and I, I think that's a better backdrop in my mm. opinion. Yeah, but I love the one. At the big house, Leafs, Red Wings, wasn't sure. that like the most, that's the attendance record, yep. right? Isn't it a that's couple right. hundred thousand, yep. like 101 or something like that? 104, 105,000, yeah. something like that, yeah. So like, I, I like that idea. I like mixing up. Like I said, my one of my more favorite ones is seeing the one at Notre Dame Stadium. You know, I, yep. I, I always look back though to the outdoor game, you know, and, and there's so many cool ones that could have happened, could not have happened, but I'm also very much into the, you know what, like if you, you're going to bring it, like bring it and have it in a cool way and- the game itself probably isn't going to draw me in, but like I said, like the one I took away from on the weekend was how cool it looked seeing the Red Sox players get off the bus in those yeah. old school Red Sox uniforms, and it was it, that. That's what I found cool. Yeah, and it, it's sort of how you play it up based on where you're uh, where you're playing and uh, stuff like that. Uh, look, I want to ask you about the World Juniors. We won't go too in depth, kind of game by game, because by the time most people hear this, Canada USA and the semifinal will be over, but. What have you thought of the tournament thus far, thus uh, this year? I think, you know, Halifax has done a, a very nice job hosting it, as is Moncton, which is always a tough sell, right? When you get the pool that doesn't have Canada, it's a tougher ticket to sell. But Moncton supported this thing pretty well. 
Uh, what have you thought of the tournament? What have you thought of, of what you've seen out of this edition of, of Team Canada? Um, you know, what are your kind of thoughts as we enter this kind of final stretch of the World Juniors? Man, it's been a... I've actually liked this tournament a lot because there it hasn't been blowouts and blowouts against all these teams that you normally see. Now... Canada losing to the like the Czechia yeah, like yep. loved it yeah because it was like all right like now their backs up and then you head into that Germany game and it was like they were talking like what happens if you lose to Germany what happens it's like okay well one like nothing against Germany but like they're not losing you that game lose that. no but it's just like all right like there's you know I think after that it was like Germany and Austria and then you know it's like okay what's gonna happen here Again, so the Swedes was the last big game in the round robin for yeah. Canada. Yeah. And it happened on the other side too. The Slovaks beat the Americans. You're like, holy shit, here we go. Right? Yeah. Like, and that's what I mean. It's like, we're starting to see, and like, you know, because you go back a couple of years and it's like, it's almost always like Canada, US, and then it turned into like, you know, Finland would mix in, like here comes Sweden. Like we're seeing more. The but Russians are always kicking around yeah. until this year, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know what? Like I'd like adversity. I don't want to see Canada just kind of walk through this tournament like it's nothing. And you know, we're, we're looking at games, uh, you know, like the other night and, you know, you, is it Team Canada or is it Team Bedard, right? Because right. the guy has been a monster and, you know, uh, you know, looking at this tournament, I don't know, you look back over the years of World Juniors, I went into this tournament excited, one to watch him, but just to watch a tournament. But now I find myself more excited to watch Bedard than I am half this team. Like, I don't really, it's like, this guy is just an absolute monster with 21 points so far in the tournament. Next closest guy has 11. Like this guy yeah. is like he's had a six and seven point game back to back. His overtime winning goal against the Slovaks was crazy. It but was like sick. It, it's like I it's like I'm almost like you know what like I've kind of removed. It's like I don't even care if they win the gold medal. Right. I just want to see the Bernard show. Like he's kind of taken me. Like you look at I don't know. Like I've watched uh, you know these games, but I look at it in a sense of who has really caught your eye on Canada. Other than Bedard. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like I've got blinders on and I'm just like, this guy's on the ice every second shift almost. And he just dazzles you every time. And he's not afraid of getting physical. He's not afraid of talking back to guys that are getting physical with him. I loved against the Slovaks when he's getting pushed across, the, like, at the boards, late hits. And, you know, he's getting roughhousing. I think it was yeah. – um, like he just comes around and he gets in the face after, you know, they score Simon a power play Nimitz goal. Simon is coming at him. Yeah. Bashar is coming at him. Everybody. Like, yeah. Everybody. And it's like, I love it because the guy is just so not afraid. Like no. he's, you know, you see some superstars, you know, and they get hit or they get pushed aside. They kind of just, you know what, they ignore it. They play it well, off. All that talk before that quarterfinal against Slovakia and the Slovaks were openly telling the media. Yeah. We're going to be physical with him. You're like, well, that's new. I'm sure he's never faced that before, well, right? Like since he was nine years old, there have been people trying to slow that's him down. It, right? Like, like, and that's the thing. I think like the kind of like the swag, the mocks that this guy has is like, one, I don't care if you hit me, I'll push you back. Like right. seeing him get into it after whistles, like grabbing, taking that penalty after I think it was Stan Coven took the double cross check yeah, at the side yeah. of the net. And he just goes up and he grabs a guy and he starts, you know, like he's, he just took a late hit. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to go skate to the bench. I'm going to go and mix it up. He takes the penalty. Sure. Yeah. Can I still get the power play? Yeah. But he was just like, I loved seeing how this guy can dazzle, but he can play. He, you know, he does so much. He's breaking all these records. Like he's, he's phenomenal. Right. Yeah. And I saw people saying like, nicest goal ever, the world juniors. Sure, nicest, but biggest, I don't know. I still look at nice. 2009, Canada-Russia, Jordan Eberle, yep. five seconds left. Yep. Craziest third period John ever. Slaney back in the 90s. Oh There's a bunch gosh. of, to say biggest goal ever, that's a hell of a, especially in a quarterfinal against Slovakia where you probably shouldn't have been sure. in that situation. Yeah. The thing that I wonder, 
and I, I keep looking at is, is this Team Canada just not very good? Which which is funny too, because I was uh, listening to an interview, and I think it was Mark Masters that brought it up. But Gordon Miller was on the Rain Drags podcast, mm-hmm. and he said on the podcast that he thinks that this team has a chance to be the greatest World Juniors team of all time. Yeah, before the puck dropped, and it was like, okay, like. I, and maybe you're selling it, whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, like it, it didn't add any intrigue for me, but I was just a kind of a well, bold statement. Part of it would be you got three guys sent back, right? Brant Clark from the LA Kings came sure. back uh, to, on defense, Dylan Gunther from the Arizona Coyotes, and Shane Wright from mm-hmm. the Seattle Kraken. And you see those guys get sent back. You're like, holy shit, this is going to be pretty loaded up. Then you add Owen Zellweger coming back from past years. You have Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. who's going to be on the team. Uh, lots of guys who've been drafted you know, first round and look, it, it, I don't think Gord was crazy to say before the tournament started, this team has the chance mm-hmm. to be the best, but they haven't played like it. When you lose Gosh, to no. Czechia, um, look, Czechia has played very well. They're still the number one seed as we yeah. sit here right now. Like they're going to play Sweden today. We don't know how that's going to go, but they've been full value for the way that they've played. Um, the Americans lose to the Slovaks, uh, and, you know, there's been some crazy shit happen in this tournament, mm-hmm. but when you lose your first game, even if you deserve to lose it and you're, you flush your argument for being the best Canadian team ever, and then you go on, you pound out the Germans and the Austrians, that was fine. You win comfortably over Sweden, that's fine. The Russians aren't here, so nobody has to test themselves against that. And then you just squeak by the Slovaks. The argument for this team being the best Canadian uh, world junior team ever is over. It's not. Mm-hmm. It could still win gold. Like that might still happen. Yeah. But the argument for being the best Canadian team ever is over. And I just, I look at this and I see what Logan Stankhoven and Connor Bedard are doing up front. Pretty impressive. Our goaltending is generally been bad. The defense is like in that game against the Slovaks, they had the better goalie and they had the better defense. Like in terms of number one defenseman, mm-hmm. uh, Simon Nemich was way better than Owen Selwager. And so you kind of squeaked by on having this kind of top six forwards, top four forwards, really, that were better than what the Slovaks had. And it was enough. And it might turn out to be enough. You might beat the Americans. Like, by, like I said, by the time people hear this, they'll know the result of that game. Mm-hmm. And you might still go on and win the gold medal, but I, I it might just be on the back of those top end guys because I look at the rest of this team, it reminds me a little of the Leafs because everything's about the Leafs, you know that. <laughs> Where that top four, Nylander, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, even if they're all performing well when the playoffs come around, you get nothing out of that bottom six, which Team Canada's largely got nothing out of their bottom six. If the defense isn't quite good enough, and if the other team has better goaltending than you, uh, everyone said coming into this tournament, Canada's goaltending was going to be a problem, and it has been a problem. I yeah, I, I don't know, man. There's something about this team that you might still win, but I don't think this is a very good team, Canada. No, and I don't want to say it's disappointing because there's been some really good teams. Like right? you go to the uh, 04 5 yeah. lockout year in oh, the NHL, yeah. and like you're talking about some powerhouse Canadian that teams. That team was 
stacked. Like Getzlaff, Perry, Crosby, Bergeron, Fanel. everybody, like, everybody. Like seriously, every like, and I feel like Jeff that's harder. Always, get, yeah, that's always going to be, and, and it's going to be very difficult to beat. But like, yeah. you know, you're going to need lockout Weber. years. Yes. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like you could list off like all Hall of Fame players, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Like all yeah, that. Like, yeah. uh, like that team is going to be hard to beat. And you either want to remove, like, remove lockout years or whatever. Go right. ahead. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they were there. There was a lockout. They played best team. It's hard to beat that team. You know, you look at this year, and, and like I said, you you know, there was some hype around it. And of then course, yeah. you look at guys like Stankoven, nine points. Yep. Gunther, seven points. Shane Wright, six points. Like Bedard, 21 points. Yeah. Like the difference there is ridiculous. It's been a one man show. And hey, like, look, Millich was playing all right, and, and he saved the In day. Overtime, that overtime. save, unbelievable. There, unbelievable. A, absolutely. And there was a couple times, I think, in the third, too, yeah, where like, you that's know, right. But like you said, Canada giving up a two goal lead, like, to, to you know, that's not something you Slovaks. see to the Slovaks. Should like, not happen. It man. shouldn't happen. And you know what? Like Connor Bedard has been you know, like he's a generational talent. We all know that. Yep. It's been the story. He's been the show. And it's gonna take this him. Canada looks like Bedard and pals. Uh, absolutely. That's the way this whole thing is coming. And, and like I said, I was excited for the tournament in general. But like I said, I'm tuning into these games. Sure to watch Canada win. I want to see them win. Yeah, but I want to watch Connor Bedard. Like yeah, he is the guy it, that man. you're 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 watching. He's the guy that's selling everybody in this tournament. And you know, you go back to you know that game where I think it was in the third period. Twice in the last five minutes, he missed an open net because yeah. the puck fanned on it. He hit the post yeah. in overtime. He hit the post. He had ten shots in the game. Five of them in overtime. Like the guy was a monster. I think he played like three and a half minutes of the five minutes yes. or so of of overtime. <laughs> like he was out there. And Dennis Williams knows it. Like it, like this is this you is know, my meal ticket. <laughs> this is this is like this is going to be his gold medal. Like this guy has to be out there yes. if they want to win. And right. you know what? Like it's cool uh, because it's, it's unique, right? Like you get to a team. Like I said, how often can you look through a tournament like this where you have Connor Bedard with twenty one points, and I believe it's Logan Cooley is eleven. Yeah, and it's like for the Americans. And like yeah. I said, that's going to be a big game, exciting. Like Canada, U.S. Love that right here in the semis. Um, if I was to have my wish, it's beat the Americans. And you're facing Czechia again for the gold medal. A little redemption. Y- yeah, I want that redemption. Sweden's there. They're cool, whatever. I, it's That's the way I want to see the rest of this tournament play out. Hope I get what I want. I doubt it. I don't normally get what I want, other than when you ask me to be on this podcast. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it is it is unique, and it is a cool tournament because we're seeing a generational player really rise above the talent around him. And there's some guys that are going to be great NHL players in oh, this tournament. Yeah. But it's like... But Dard is that guy. Like he's yeah. twenty. Like I said, twenty-one points. Logan Cooley has eleven. Yeah. Like, there's kids and, not even drafted yet, and oh, shattering. Records. Wearing a visor, which hey, absolutely yeah. love it. Like I said, sure. I love I love a lot of what he's doing, and yep. it's he's just a guy that's always out there. He's always in it, whether it's physicality, it's after the whistle, it's with the puck on his you know stick. It's he's just he's doing it, and you know, like you said, they're they're going up against the Americans. We'll find out whatever, but that's a tough team with a great line of Cooley, Snuggerud, and uh, Gunther. Yep. Yeah, Cutter Gauthier. Like, that's a good line, and they've been solid, and it's going to be and a they're going to have, again, they're going to have the goaltending edge over Canada. Uh, just for Also, the s- they're going to be physical, too, if oh, you have yeah. heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard. Uh, and, and their coach spoke today, you know, before we recorded, said, you know, we, you know, so they were asked, how are you going to handle uh, Connor Bedard? So, well, he's a very talented player, and uh, we have a game plan, but we're not prepared to to tell you what it is. And you're like, all right, like fair enough. Why would you? But what do you what what secret weapon have you built down there? That's gonna well, and that's the thing, right? Everybody knows what the secret weapon is, and you got to shut down Connor Bedard, right? You it, need man. to make the rest that's of this it. team beat you. And you know, I, I do want to see a little bit more from Shane Wright. Like I think that throughout yeah. this tournament, 
you know, he's a captain. He was this guy, you go back a couple of years ago, he was that first overall pick that everybody was excited to see. Yep. You know, he had that hype and build around him and then he gets like passed Ends over. tumbling got, in the draft. Yeah. And yeah, whatever. He went to Seattle. He's got the chip in his shoulder. He's, so what, I think he scored his first NHL goal against the Habs and he's eyeing Love up that. the bench and it's like, cool, but like. You know, now he's the captain. He sent back, and it like feels I said, like it doesn't work sometimes, eh? Yeah, like it, I, I feel like six points in the tournament is underwhelming in five games. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, captain. Uh, but but Brett Connolly got set back, sent back by Tampa Bay years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't really work. Curtis Lazar was sent back to play in the trip by the right. Sens. Didn't really. That was Connor McDavid year yeah. two, and and but, didn't really overwhelm. Like a lot of these guys are fine, but like it feels like this idea. Now I should say Dylan Gunther sent back by the Coyotes has been terrific, mm-hmm. right? He He's produced, especially on the power play where you want him to, like that was the whole <laughs> has deal. Has he scored a goal that in, in regulation yet or five I, I, out of five? I'm not sure. I don't think so. No. I think he was all power play but goals. He, but that's what you brought him in to do, right? Mm-hmm. He's got, he's sitting on that Ovechkin spot and ripping them. But it feels like, and uh, look, I'm not saying you don't want guys who've played in the NHL. I'm just saying you, we often get all excited. Holy shit. They, we got three guys who played in the NHL this year. And you're like, yeah, not, they haven't really been mm-hmm. impactful so far. Uh, you wonder if they come back a little, not saying they're not excited, but just like, I don't know, overconfident or I, like this is beneath them. I, I don't it's know. It's always good because you you hear it's right. It's a 19-year-old tournament, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And that's the thing where you see Shane uh, Shane Wright and he's back as a, you know, a captain because he's been there. Like you want that experience of guys that sure. have been through some of the heartbreaks, some of the, you know, the victories. You want them to, yeah, to be able to help these guys at Connor Bedard's and the younger guys that are going to be here next year because I can probably guarantee Connor Bedard might not be here. Connor <laughs> Bedard will not be back <laughs> like next this, year. Like this guy is 17 years old and he's breaking all these records most points yeah. assists these goals like he's gonna be drafted to columbus or chicago or some <laughs> shit and they're not gonna be able to afford to let him come back to world juniors next no year. Yeah. so way i look at it though like you know sure like stankoven and gunther have been good but like i look at shane wright and it's like like i said i I'm, the majority of what i'm watching is the only guy that really stands out a lot of the time has been uh bedard yeah. but I, I just i want i wanted more from shane wright like Same. I said, and, and you sometimes you wonder why scouts pass over guys like this. And hey, I'm not taking shots. I'm sure he'll be a great NHL player one day, Shane Wright. That's right. Just not what I wanted or expected. And that's where I look at it. I'm like, all right, this guy's your captain. And like you said, Curtis Lazar came back and that was a Connor McDavid year, but it was like, that was the Connor McDavid year. So it's kind of in the same situation where yeah. you're overshadowed. That's a good point. But it's like, oh, like now, and like these are the games, right? Where, you know what, the, you know, you're in the quarterfinals and you're over here and you're getting uh, you know, an overtime game and you get the crazy big goal from Connor Bedard in overtime and it's 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 amazing it's the dangle it's you know it's it's all of that after, skated through everybody just skated through everybody you know gets his own rebound just kind of goes back he's looking at around it. And he's like you guys keep letting me down fuck it I'll just yeah. do it myself but like these are the games now where like you know you get into semifinals and then you get into the finals and it's like all right like these are the games where you, like the Connor Bedards, they show up. Like, right? These are the, you know, you see all yeah. like the the big time players, like, you know, Jordan Eberle. Like, these are the yeah, guys. Maybe, maybe Shane Wright, by the time people hear this, has had a four point game against the Americans. And, maybe. And put, Hoping so. That's the way we need to see this go, right? If, mm-hmm. For him to kind of redeem this trip to the World Juniors. Do you do you care? Have a like a final, like a final in mind? Like I said, mine. I was just going to ask you, man, before we end on this topic. Canada, check, check you for sure. Like, I want to see them get back at it with okay. Czechia. Because that's what you want to see. Are you, is that what you're predicting to see today? Uh, I think, that's a good question. I think the Americans win comfortably 5-2. Um, and 
I don't, yep. I don't. I just the way that Czechia has played, they surprised me. And I haven't watched every single game, but the fact that they're, you know, I think they're three zero and one. Like they were, they had a solid round robin. Like they were, like I said, I think they were first place. And yep. it's like, yeah, they were. They're still number one seed in the tournament. <sighs> you so you think America's gonna? Take I think down the U.S. Canada, is beating Canada five two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an American sympathizer. Five uh, two USA, and honestly, Oof. I'm thinking Sweden and. You know, the guys they have on their team. And, and maybe the better. Ah, Suhanek for the Czechs. He's done some crazy shit. Suhanek in goal. He beat the Americans back in August when they played that sum, uh, summer tournament. Eliminated them in the quarterfinal. He could beat the Swedes. But if you ask me right now, I would say that'll be a tight one. Sweden 2-1, though. Okay. I, I think it's Sweden-USA in the gold medal game. Well, never coming on this podcast again <laughs> because you're so anti-Canadian. <laughs> Um, but no, as soon as I text him and tell him I've got a cool new craft beer, he'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's facts. Yeah. Or you need a Halloween guest or a good <laughs> yeah, yeah, UFC exactly. card or anything. Yeah. But no, it, it, and that's, it is going to be tough. Like I said, that top line the Americans have is, has been amazing. Yeah. All tournament Canada's like top line Seemed has, has been good, but it's not amazing. And yeah. that's the thing. Like it's been Connor Bedard and everybody else. Like you said, the funky bunch. It's, yeah. it's all about that. And it's going to be a tough game. Um, I want to believe Canada is going to win this game. I see where you're coming from, and I see like on both sides of it. Like either way, the four teams remaining are great. Yep, like they are great, and it's going to be a very good. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> I don't. You know, we haven't like seen the games yet. Yeah. Um, but I and actually, yeah, this is for the sake of the listener who get to point and laugh at us. I think uh, we're going to see Sweden and Czechia actually you know, facing off anytime soon here. Yeah. As we're recording this, it's yeah. it's in that moment, but. Um, just to be different and because we're not putting money in the line, I'm going to say Canada versus Czechia because, uh, I want to believe that yeah, I, get I'm not that sure. Redemption, get I'm that not too. sure I'm sold on it, Matt. Yeah. So don't twist my arm <laughs> and ask me to put money down and stick to this bet or stick to my word here, but I'm going to go Canada getting a four, three overtime victory Ooh, again okay. today against the Americans. The Americans. And I actually think, uh, you know what? Let's give Czechia a big win over Swede. Let's go 3-1. Love it. Love yeah. it. Big win. Uh, why don't we talk a little about the DeMar Hamlin situation and what went on on the Monday Nighter, how ESPN handled it, how the NFL handled it. Uh, I can't imagine if you're listening to this show, you don't know at this point what's happened, but we'll circle back and and cover it just to, to make sure. Uh, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, uh, with I think we're still in the first quarter at this point, are we not? In, yeah. Uh, in Bills versus Bengals during the Monday Nighter, he lays a tackle, and he stands up and walks away from the hit, and within a couple of strides, he just drops. He just collapses. And we've seen it would almost be less scary if during the hit somebody didn't get up. You'd think a leg, an ankle, a knee, a something, right? The fact that a guy stands up, walks away, and drops is terrifying. And all of a sudden, people are calling for the Bills trainers from their sideline. They come out, uh, and then all of a sudden, we need a stretcher, and we need the doctors from the Bengals sideline because the game is in Cincinnati. And um, he's in trouble. They have to cut the face mask off him and deliver CPR, so it becomes very clear to everybody very mm -hmm. fast. This isn't just a concussion or an elbow or a knee or a typical football injury. This guy is in trouble fighting for his life. And they end up having to bring the stretcher out. The, an ambulance comes on the field. 
I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That used to be a thing in the early Madden video games where an ambulance would come out. Um, this happens, you know, during the game. And again, it's, it's not, and I don't want to, I wouldn't downplay it any other time, but this isn't some random four o'clock game on Sunday that almost nobody's watching between Jacksonville and whoever, like this is the Monday nighter. Everyone is watching this and all of a sudden we have a player fighting for his life and no one really knows what's happened. And ESPN is stuck in a situation where they're supposed to cover this, but no one knows what's up. The NFL is in, what, second last week of the season? Yeah. What do they do in terms of, you know, they want to play this game and and get it finished, Mm. but none of the players do. Um, And it's not a nothing game. This is a big game between two playoff-bound teams. It's going to be important for seeding. And DeMar Hamlin, meanwhile, is is fighting for his life. And, and reports start to come out. Joe Buck on the ESPN broadcast is told by his sources who are in contact with the league, yeah, we're going to give them five minutes to warm up and we'll get back to action. Uh, Joe Burrow and the captains of the Bengals walk over and start talking to, you know, this is after everybody's gone back to their locker rooms, goes over and starts talking to the Bills players. And they take a United stamp. We're not playing, right? We're not going back on the field. We don't know what's happened to this guy. There were players, understandably so, openly crying on the field. Like, they don't know if this guy's dead. They don't know what's happened. And to just go, yeah, go warm up and and we'll play again was horribly callous. We should say the NFL has come back out and said, we, that was never our plan. We didn't say you have five minutes to warm up. But ESPN has responded and said, yeah, we're sticking with our story. Like, that's what we were told was going to happen. This was clearly... Someone's league. getting fired. Yeah. This was clearly the league wanted to play. The players said, fuck off. We're not playing. As we sit here now on Wednesday afternoon, as you and I record, uh, DeMar Hamlin is still in hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has gone from, uh, they got him stabilized once they got him to hospital. Uh, he's on a ventilator. They have changed the amount of oxygen they're giving him from 100% oxygen, which is, man, that's bad down to 50%. So there is some improvement. There's, he has suffered some lung damage, but they're confident they have him stabilized. We don't know what his condition ultimately is going to turn out to be. But man, this was something I don't think any of us have ever seen before in sports. And and we've seen on the ESPN broadcast, we've seen other players turned broadcasters and whatever say, look, we get it. When we go out on the game or to play the game, there's a certain amount of swagger. I'm going to hit hard. If somebody blows out a knee or an elbow, you know, I might stand up. I might celebrate that. I might step over. There's some swagger in the game. But that's very different from someone fighting for his life being given CPR on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was watching the World Junior quarterfinal between Canada and Slovakia when this happened, and they went to Sports Center said, you know, re- recapping the Canada game. But by the way, this is what's going on tonight on Monday Night Football. And it took all the wind right out of your sails, right? In terms of how exciting that hockey game had been. You're like, holy shit, what is this now? Um, you were watching that game 
more directly than I was. What did you think when you saw it? What did you think in terms of how it was handled by the league, by the broadcasters? Like, what do you make of this right now, man? Yeah, it's it was scary. And just, you know, I had it on the TV and I had the World Juniors game on my laptop just the way that my setup was working out that night. And like you said, that was a huge game. You know, two of the top teams in the AFC and when it came down to this final weekend in, in the NFL to see who gets the first seed, depending on yeah. who had won that game. So much weighing on it, fantasy football, like all, there was so much involved in the game. And as I'm kind of trying to watch this overtime and late third of the world juniors and you're stressing out and it's all kind of happening at the same time. And mm-hmm. it's, it was tough, but getting into it, it looks like such a routine nothing play and and we should say again hamlin's the guy making the hit yeah he's not the guy getting the hit yeah crazy and yeah. you know just a routine play not a huge hit no not like nothing the, you haven't seen a thousand times oh, every i've you know i love football I, I don't know how many big hits i've seen in my lifetime right nowhere close to the top 150 no. 200 anywhere in that area it just was just a a, a routine play you could say that's right and Watching Hamlin get up and then collapse the way he did, uh, you know, you think of concussions, you think of like, you know, maybe he's winded or something like that. You know, all of the times you see players in the NFL, you know, just, oh, there's a play happening. Let's just fall in the field and pretend we're hurt so we can get the timeout, <laughs> right? We see it all the time. Yeah. But to see someone get up from a routine play like that and collapse was just like. You don't see that. No. no, holy shit. And then, you know, they go to a commercial break and. You know, I'm still trying to peep on the uh, World Juniors game, and it's kind of like, all right, nothing serious, you know, whatever. When they came back and you started seeing the crowd around it, and they, Joe Buck is like, yes. hey, like, you know. So they won't zoom in on it. No. They, he's still down. And it's like, the, the whatever. Then they go to another break. They come back. The ambulance is there. Yeah. Um, players are crying, seeing guys like Trey Davis White and Stephon Diggs just, you know, crying. And it's like, yeah, this is this is pretty serious. This is like this is for all they know at that point he's dead. Well, and that's the thing, You're right? You're giving CPR we still on the d- field on Monday night football. We still don't know exactly what happened in that circle, right? There's no. been multiple reports of CPR, there's this, there's that, but it's like cuz the, they circled up. They did. Right? The and, players circle around them, the a crowd of 50,000 people whatever the capacity is in in Cincinnati. Yeah. They're not allowing cameras and people to see. We saw it a year or so ago there was a big game um I think it was the Netherlands in soccer, where mm-hmm. one of their guys dropped, and they circled up around him again to stop people from being able to see what's happening, you know, to their guy, to their yeah. their player, their teammate, and the same thing happened here. And to ESPN's credit, they didn't try to zoom in. They didn't try to get. They kept going to other players. They would show the crowd. They would show wide shots back far from the field. We have no idea what was happening in that, uh, other than that he was being given CPR. Mm-hmm. No, and and that's the thing. Like, it, it, so you get into that point where you're seeing the players and the way they're reacting and how emotional, intense it is. You know, going to the Monday Night Countdown desk, and and you know, you brought up the ESPN. Yeah, they've gotten a lot of credit for what they've done through that broadcast and how to get through it. And sure, rightfully so. But you know, we're not seeing enough credit go to the you know the ambulance and the, the first responders sure, crews and the sure. players all around. Like, that's the thing. Like. We're giving so much credit to the way the ESPN handled it. We're not giving enough credit to, you know, the first responders that 
you know, this is a something that's never happened before no. in the NFL, and it's something where you know you, you see people complaining about. Uh, I think that one jock, I won't even say his name, but he has the tweet out there about how it's such a, how do you not play this game? And it's like, it's so frustrating to think that people are putting so much ahead of this guy's life, Yeah, this guy's life. And Damar Hamlin, you know, I love seeing the reaction on social media to his toy drive and hearing guys talk about how much of a role model he is in that Pittsburgh area. And he's 24 years old. Well, let's zoom in on that. Before the holiday season, he's doing a, a toy drive. Uh, that at that point, it's on GoFundMe and it's to raise money to buy toys for, for underprivileged children in the mm-hmm. area. And I think at the time that the injury happened, it had raised about $25,000, which is nothing to sneeze at, right? Once people see what's happened to Damar and they start digging in and doing research and trying to find out what it is and everybody, or like what he's all about, they find this GoFundMe. And everybody starts tweeting it. And I think at the time that we sit here now, it is now up to $5.5 million. Yeah. It, it was over, over that by the time. We're no doubt. Stairs. No doubt. Right. And so it was that within an hour or two of the injury, it went from $25,000 to like $1.8 million. And it's just kept growing and growing. Like mm-hmm. people wanting to support this guy any way that they can. And this is a guy that anybody you talk to, anybody you read about or read is saying, this is one of those guys that you want to pull for. And it, look, nobody wants to see anyone drop no. and have their life. But this is a guy that isn't one of those problem children in the NFL, right? That no. That's always in trouble. This is a guy who does the right things. And to see that that toy drive, just because people wanted to support this guy and wanted to feel like they could help somehow, went from $25,000 to over $5.5 million is incredible, right? And it's a testament to what this guy's been all about. Yeah. The other big thing from that too is, you know, Fanatics came out and announced that uh, DeMar Hamlin's jersey is the top selling NFL jersey wow. since Monday night and Fanatics is planning to donate all of that to this toy drive it's as well, which is already, tremendous. like you said, over five and a half million dollars. And, you know, like you said, like you don't want to see it happen to anybody. We no. love sports, right? For yeah, yeah. so many reasons, you you know, overtime, craziness, sure. fluke plays, there's so much like sports is that escape reality, escape. right? Yeah. It's like, you don't want to ever see something like this happen. You know, everyone's, well, what are they going to do about the game? What are they, like, I don't give a Oof. shit. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't care about Who how good cares? ESPN did, a, no. uh, how good of a job ESPN did in covering this. I don't care about everything else. I care about what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. I care about the first responders. I care about his family. His mom was in the stadium, yeah. got in that ambulance with him, yeah. rushed. I loved seeing the support from Bills fans at uh, at the at the hospital in Cincinnati. Yeah, you know, seeing you know all these stories, and I think the most impressive thing, you know, there's always certain things that happen around these events, and like you said, that's it's the the money that's a ways for the, uh, has been raised for his GoFundMe, but then it's it's the the jersey sales now. But yeah, last night, right, the Buffalo Sabers going into their game, all of them wearing love for three. Sweaters and T-shirts over top of at what Washington. Yeah, coming into this, you know, into not that even game. at home, right? And, yeah, and Washington also t- the Caps took a moment of silence or whatever to to honor him as well. Yeah, and, and seeing that, but then seeing what happened in this game. So on January third, Tage Thompson scored his third goal of the game exactly three minutes into three on three overtime for his thirtieth goal and third hat trick of this season. <laughs> Demar Hamlin wears number three. That's so it's like, that's the kind of shit that's like, man, like it Wild. blows me away to see like sports. Like it just like, that's the kind of shit I love about sports. I love the raw emotion. I love the circumstances that you can't predict. I, like other than this, 
you know, like this crazy scenario that happened to DeMar Hamlin that, you know, I'm just, everyone is pulling and it's nobody, I don't care who you are. You just, you don't want to see this happen because like those guys in the field, the brothers, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, seeing like Bengals play, everyone just crying in tears, seeing the broadcast, people being able to, you know, hold back their emotion. It's so tough. And like I said, I just, I think of those, you know, the registered, you know, the people like the. RMTs, the quick first respond, everyone that's involved in that yeah. situation, but it's the players on the field, their brothers, like they're all out there. Like you spend more time around them than you do your family. Like this, this guy, well, like you said, by all accounts, it was the Bengals players who walked over to the Bills locker room and said, Hey, whatever you think here, right? Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you, and went together to the league and said, we're not fucking playing. No, we're I, not going back out there. I'm still want to know what goes on in that situation. And I'm not saying Joe, Bo, uh, Joe Buck is, uh, is making anything up. And I'm not saying that Troy Vincent is denying it because he knows he has to, but Troy Vincent, s- of course, being the, the players guy who spoke from the NFL. Yeah. yeah. Look, I believe ESPN, they would not have said that. If they hadn't been. And, and players were warming up. Like, that's a thing. Joe right? Burrow like, did take a couple they, they warm-up throws. They all were. They were all out there they, on the field getting ready. They expected to have to go back the coaches, and play. The coaches went across the field and said, look, let's go regroup. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I yeah. understand if yeah. they have an update like on the field, like, hey, you know what? His, his pulse is back. He's breathing on his own. He's off to the hospital. He'll be okay. Okay, you know what? Still scary. You know, I'll, I'll give you that slight, slight bit of credit if that's a situation that happened. But the fact that they have no, like, it's two days later and they still, like, like improve still signs got of improvement, but on. he's still in cri- critical yeah. condition. Like, it's two days later. And that's the thing. It's like they had no update. This is a, let's go back to your locker room, get these guys that are, crying and emotional and and just saw something they should never see in their life. Like that's such a cold thing to say, but you just watched him drop and receive CPR. He didn't have a pulse. Absolutely. When they took him off on the, and to think, yeah, we're going to play some more for all the times we rip on the NHL. If you remember two, three years ago when Jay Bomeister dropped Mm -hmm. and they immediately called off that blues ducks game. And at that point they knew that Bomeister had been stabilized was aware, was conscious, and was being taken to the hospital. They knew he was going to be okay, and they still said, there's no fucking way we're going to keep playing right now. And so to see, uh, look, I believe ESPN and their reporting, especially given that they have this relationship with the NFL that they can't afford to jeopardize with false reporting, right, with false accusations. If they said, which they did, that they're going to play again after a five-minute warm-up, then somebody told them that. Mm-hmm. And somebody from the NFL told them that. And the NFL, fuck, the NFL is not above lying to its fans. Like, they'll <laughs> happily do it. So no. if you're going to ask me to pick a side here, I believe ESPN. And look, we saw, I know what you're you're talking about, that this the way the broadcasters handled this shouldn't be the focal point. And it isn't. We all want to see DeMar Hamlin get better. Mm-hmm. But when they go to the panel... And they're talking about these guys, and, and there was a player, and his name's escaping me now, who's on the panel, and he's saying, look, we all know what this game is. We sign up for torn ACLs and blown out elbows and like big hits, but at the end of the day, even with an injury like that, we go home to our families. Nobody signs up for somebody's heart stopped mid-game and is receiving CPR, and we don't know how they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it to me to consider for even half a second continuing to play that game, which the league clearly did, and it was the players that had to say, there's no fucking chance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going back out there. 
to sit there as you're talking about the piece of shit that was tweeting that whose name doesn't need to be mentioned on this podcast. Talking, well, when would they possibly reschedule this? Like, how, this is a big problem for the league. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Not the important point right now, right? And so, I, I just I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this, right? We we've seen different players in 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 different leagues suffer major I think Chris Pronger was what he was he was talking about what it happened it happened to him basically where he took a slap shot to the chest yeah and it's just out and it sounds like this is exactly what's happened short circuited the uh yeah, yeah. it just it, it's it's such a it pauses your heart rare yeah it's such a rare incident and it's such a tough thing to predict and to go through and you know Chris Pronger was able to come back and play and you know we all hope that that's what happens for DeMar Hamlin next and yeah you know I think that's what just you know everyone is sitting on is waiting for that update of you know the slight progress is good and you know it's two days later but you want that absolute positivity like hey he's breathing on his own he's going to be all right you know he's with his family what you can hope for is the best in that situation. And like I said, I just, I feel like we're not home to his family. Yeah. Like I said, I feel terrible for everybody involved, whether it's coaches and the players on the field that saw that, um, you know, the first responders, the ambulance, the team, the medicals that's like staffs that had to deal with that. Right. That's, it's traumatic. And like I said, for the NFL to go through a situation where they're like, Hey, you know what? Get ready to play. And the players are sitting there warming up, throwing the ball around guys are in tears crying and the coaches had to go across the field to talk, yeah. go back to the locker room and get it together. Like that's what you want to see. I feel like the guys should have been in the locker room almost right away. You don't need cameras on everybody. Like Stefan Diggs, there was a video of him trying to warm up, like gather the team he tr- and he's pep talk. He and thinks they're going to have to them. play again. Well, that's the thing. So and, he's trying to get everybody refocused. Re- and, and, and he's it's just, just a leader, right? He's just a guy trying to do his best in a bad situation. Like Someone there are needs people, to do it. Yeah. There are people trying to paint him as insensitive. If that guy's been told you got to play again in five minutes, he's trying to bring everybody back. And together. I don't even think he was doing it about the playing again. I think he's just trying to rally his guys. I, like, I think like, you're right. He's like, uh, like he's both in a sure. terrible situation. They, well, and and it's not like that's the thing. Like they're on the field and things are happening so fast, and there's so much raw emotion. But yeah. like I said, this guy went from you know there was the the you know video of him and just standing there in tears, looking on. It's like okay, and then you know you go back to you know 20 minutes later, he's there, and there, all these teams are rallied around each other they're trying to get each other going and you know someone needs to be well, that game leader. gets called he's the first member of the team to show up yeah, at the hospital he's the captain so, he's, so he's stop a, trying to paint him as insensitive or not caring oh no he's, there was never no there was never not you specifically but that was out there right and and the other thing that was out yeah. there that we should probably stomp out right here and right now is the number of people saying that it's with no evidence no idea what this guy's vaccination status was but immediately painting this as well, another healthy athlete drops because he's been vaccinated. Fuck off. You have no idea what his vaccination status was. You have no idea what happened to him. Mm. But these are people out there who are trying to make this a thing as well. That story has been out there basically since the moment it happened, just trying to make this with no information, with no evidence. Just these are people who have decided that vax versus anti-vax is their entire personality is their entire reason for existence and watched this guy drop on a football field and just immediately decided this is the time for me to tweet well he must have been vaccinated and it stopped his heart i i can't imagine anything more insensitive in the moment more uninformed in the moment and there are just too many people out there look 
I don't want to get into a thing where we're talking right now about vax versus anti-vax, but I think if you took this moment to further your own agenda based on the injury of another human being on national television, you're fucking gross. And mm. I, I can't even fucking, I, I don't even know where to start, man. And maybe we don't need to spend a bunch of time there, but I was <laughs> Honestly, fucking I, furious about it. Yeah. And I was going to say that too. Like, that's the thing you, in all of these situations and unfortunate situation, there's opportunists, like yes. you said, that are going to get out there to spread their own agenda. And it is sickening. It's annoying. Like I said, whether it's the fellow that's tweeting stuff just to tweet it. And I think he doubled down on his, in his TV show as well, when he was getting mm-hmm. into it. And it's like, dude, you're just such a, like, just stop and just vaccination status. Like, like, dude, there's a guy and his family yes. in the hospital in critical condition and you're going to try and do anything. Like, just, yeah. just stop talking about like, it, your it, own agenda. Like I said, it's like, and, and like, I'm not here to diminish what ESPN, everyone, like I said, the credit and everything that needs to be given right now is to everybody involved in that room, saving this guy's life That's right. and trying to keep That's this right. guy alive. That's all I really care about. People were, when they, I don't care. I don't like, even like, you know, fantasy football, everything, ever just shut up about that yeah. stuff right now. Because at the end of the day, this is someone that, you know, it's, is like you said, he signs up to play football. It's a guy who went to work on Monday night thinking I'll come home after the game, yeah. win or lose, and I'll see my family. Mom in the stands yeah. watching that happen. Yeah. Like I said, teammates, players, family members, everybody watching. This is Monday night football. It's the biggest stage. Yeah. Right? You got the World Juniors game going on, but I guarantee the ratings I, for this game was going to be bigger than the World Junior game. Yeah. Like it, this is no a, one in the US was watching yeah. the Slovakia. No, Monday, not at all. And over this the is, Monday night. This was and, and like that's the thing. This is a, a huge, huge game. And it was so big. The eyes on this, watching and seeing this happen, and everyone, like, it's traumatic. T. Higgins, right? The guy that he was tackled. Yes. You know, seeing people target him. It's like, like again, like, social media is so gross, gross but it's so, it's gross. so gross, man. And it's, it's so like gross. Something like this happening, and opportunists just flock to it. And it's like, they don't take the time to realize that this game should have been right there. There was no part of me that thought, even for a half set, like, you'd almost... It would still be weird, but let's say Higgins is the guy who gets up and then collapses. You're like, well, at least he's he's the guy who got hit. And you start to wonder, okay, what might have happened? This is the guy who delivered the hit, mm-hmm. who is now suffered the To think you then get to go and attack Higgins on social media? That's the thing. They, he's just trying to make a play. He has no idea what's gone on. Somebody tackles him. That happens a hundred times every single game. And... People are now attacking him. For what? No, and that's the he, thing. This I, guy just went through a traumatic event where this is going to be on his mind the rest of his life. Of course, man. You know, like hit like he did yeah. nothing wrong. No, and that's and that's where, like I said, the you know, you see big hits and crazy hits over like lives, concussions, everything over sports through years, like UFC, right? You hear we 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 hear yeah, yeah. fighters and players and you know, they play this game, they die for this game. It's like but they don't, right? They that's don't. Right. You say that we like you don't though, right right it's we crazy. play it up like this is life and death it's not supposed to be life and death no this I, is a guy who went to work for three hours on a Monday night and didn't come home and yeah. and hopefully you know they get him set up and he, he look I have no idea whether this guy will ever play again I don't really care I hope he just goes home right and and sees his family and, mm-hmm. and continues well, he's to. able to pull through like i said his yeah. mom was there in the stands watching yes. that she's with them now they, their family and everybody involved in that situation like you said you, you just you got to think about them first about more than anything 
you know, football is so secondary. And, you know, like I said, you think of everybody involved, like T. Higgins, you know, Buffalo players, Cincinnati players. Um, well, you the, look at that GoFundMe, man. If Go- you scan that, yeah. you know, it, it's it's Dalton and his wife. It's Tom Brady and his wife. It's Everybody. the Washington Commanders. It's the world. It's whatever are these incredibly – because everyone just wants to help. Everyone wants to do something, and there's nothing you can do to help this guy currently in hospital – but you look and you go, okay, this was important to him, right? To try and create this charity, I can help with that, mm-hmm. and that's where this comes from: is this sense of helplessness that everyone has in terms of trying to help him get through this. And you're like, well, I got to trust the doctors to do that, but over here, I can throw a couple of dollars on the pile and mm-hmm. for something that he cared about. So no, and that's what matters the most yeah. at the end of the day is just trying to be there to support him in the situation and. You know, the things you love about sports is how you can rally around it as much as, you know, two AFC, I wouldn't say rivals, but two of the top dogs in the AFC yeah. and players, you, everybody game. here. Yeah, no, but just everybody just supporting this guy yeah. is, is yeah. you know, some of the things you do love about sports is, yeah, you might hate these teams and certain players and these instances when you're yeah. playing fantasy football it's or watching so these games, that, but it's right? so much bigger than that and seeing everybody from the sports world to the football players, everybody around the world just trying to help the situation out. Like I said, and you said it multiple times here, Just you just hope that this guy is all right and he can go home to his family, everything else from there on. After that, that's all you want is yeah. you just want the health of this Dumar Hamlin to be ready to go um, and just go home to his family and have his life somewhat back together again. And everything after that is gravy in my eyes. Going to be a tough move here, especially into a tougher topic, but mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about Dana White, and there's a video out there. I don't know what we should be making of it, but it's not getting anywhere near the attention that I thought it would. I'd be curious to get your take on whether you think it deserves more or not, but to set the table here, and, and we'll share the video on social media so you people can decide for yourselves. Uh, but is Dana White and his wife, they're on vacation in Mexico on New Year's Eve, And they're clearly having some sort of argument and she slaps him in the face. So he slaps her back and he hasn't, uh, shied away from it. I was intrigued by the fact that it was TMZ who released the video and then TMZ that he did the interview with instead of an ESPN who's a rights holder or maybe an MMA, uh, journalist that he's tight with. I I don't really get that, but he goes to TMZ to give his response to, and he doesn't shy away from me. He says, there's no excuse. He says, I'm embarrassed by what happened. We had both been drinking heavily and, uh, yeah, we got caught by a third party camera. Uh, this happened. He goes, we're, I'm embarrassed. He said, there's, there's no, um, no excuse for what I've done, but we're focused on our kids and our family. Um, everything seems fine between them after the fact she's come out with another statement kind of, I wouldn't say in support of him, but backing up what he's saying, right. That we both been drinking before Mm -hmm. or both been drinking. He's never laid hands on me before. Um, I look, I guess we got to be careful with that stuff. Oftentimes people who are abused, (sighs) I, I, I don't want to speculate, right? But oftentimes people who are abused defend their abusers is the only thing I would say on that. But but he is also not shying away from what he's done and it's very clearly on camera. And he said, I'm embarrassed. He said, I have no excuse. I'm not trying to make any excuses. You all saw it. It is what it is. Uh, 
his employer and a group called Endeavor that owns the UFC bought it uh, several years ago. Uh, their stock plummeted on Tuesday, the first day of trading after all of this happened, after the holidays, because he is the front man. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. Despite all the big stars in the UFC, Dana White in many ways is the face of the UFC in terms of interviews before big cards, press conferences afterwards, the guy who does all the promotions. Um, look, some people love Dana White. Some people can't stand him, but we've never seen anything quite like this from him. And I'm not really sure why this story isn't getting all that much attention from mainstream sports media, because I can tell you if Roger Goodell was caught on video slapping his wife in the face or Adam Silver was caught on film slapping his wife in the or on and on and on to any other commissioner or head of any league, this would be the number one story all over the place. Is this part of just the way people see MMA? Is this the fact that ESPN, who drives a lot of these stories, is in partnership with Dana White and the UFC, so they don't want to make it worse? Like, what do we... What do we attribute the lack of attention on this story to? You know, the story we just talked about, I think, Damar Hamlin, right? That's been the biggest story of the, the week. True, so yeah. it kind of overshadows every real sports story, yeah. right? Like, you know, locally you'll have your own stories and whatnot. And and I agree. It's it's weird to see how he did this interview with TMZ right away, like right away too. Yeah. And, you know, his wife, Anna, who, you know, they've known each other for like 30, they've been married, I think for 30 years. Yeah, I each said other they've been together since 40. they were 12 years old or yeah. something. Yeah. And, and, and whatever. It's a situation too where, you know, I don't want to say good on him because it's not good on him. Yeah. Um, but to, you know, get out there and put his little statement out right away and have his interview kind of to me is just like whatever. Um, seeing his wife have to back him up, it's like, Okay, whatever. Like, I want to know what happens next. We haven't seen anything from ESPN, like you said. And normally, whenever something like this happens or something big in the UFC happens or something like, you know, think about Fight Island, whatever, he, you know, there's Brett Okamoto is the, is the UFC ESPN That's kind of right, guy. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy he does the interviews with. You yeah. think about Fight Island, I'm going to buy an island. It's like, what the hell? He's interviewed with Brett Okamoto in, you know, the UFC Apex. Like, you yep. think back to all this stuff. So to see ESPN not have anything out there yet, I'm curious to see, like, look, Dana White's put, like, been very vocal. You don't put your hands on a girl or right. wife, anybody. You don't do that. Yep. And you don't come back from that. And it's true. Like he's never going to come back from this. And this is the guy, you know, you go back to the ultimate fighter years where these guys are brawling and they're fighting at the, you know, UFC house and he's out there ripping them apart about being punks and, you know, street <laughs> kids. You can't have that kind of, like the UFC has always yeah. wanted to be proper. And, you know, you go back to 2009 and I was reading a story where, you know, Dana White made a homophobic slur at one point in 2009. And, Right after that, he then started it like an initiative uh, for you know the you know LGBTQ plus whatever the, the you yeah. know the acronym is now um, for it, and they became one of the biggest supporting you know LGBTQ supporters in the world, other than I think the WNBA. And right. he's done a lot since then because of that mistake. What I think should happen, and what I want to see happen next. It's like, look, I'm not here to defend Dana White at all. It's good that he got his little interview in and he, he said what he did and he's saying there's no excuse. Yeah, they were drunk. I find it funny how they both had kind of the same story and that they're both looking into deal with their families. Yep. But I want to see ESPN put out a statement that, you know, 
we don't support this. Right. Dana White's going to take a few months off or lose his job or whatever. Like he's, I, I'm not sure how the situation is, but at the very, very least, I want to see him, you know, if he's going to do that kind of an interview, I want to see him, you know, put some, you know, domestic violence or domestic abuse program together like he did before. Put money in, in your mouth, but also you don't just throw money at a situation like this to make it go away. You know, I want to see him step down. Right. The UFC is in a spot now where, yes, he's the face of it. Like, you know, you look at anyone that talks about the UFC, Dana White's the first guy that comes to it. But you know what? There's a lot of guys behind the scenes that I'm sure could put together some fights over the next couple months that, you know, could put some, like, can be the new face, former fighters. There's a lot of people that could be in this position that for three or six months, even anything, I'm going to go, I, I don't, I don't care. Get some help. Yeah. Or- Gets just something suspension. I don't. Yeah. I, it, it suspension is, is the right. As word. of the recording of this, there's. I have nothing. not seen there's anything nothing. from ESPN, um, Disney, any anything like that. You know, I saw that. Uh, I think it was Aaron Bronstetter tweeted out that you know the the other situation that was going on is this UFC and Dana White's put a lot of money and effort into this new slap league, right? Yeah. That, that that's you know it's a bad look. It's a terrible <laughs> look, and that's the thing. This was supposed to air, I think, this week on TBS and ESPN, and here he is slapping his wife. And it's like now it's nowhere to be found. It's been pulled. It looks like from all of that. So it sounds like that's probably going to be dead in the water. Which yeah. you know, it's it's just a situation where um, I want to see more, and I want to see it soon. Because we're sitting here, you know, it's, you know, January 4th when we're recording this. New Year's Eve was, you know, four days ago. Yeah. And I want to see more. I want to see Dana White, if you're going to come out and say there's no excuse for it, well, then damn it, do don't fucking something. Don't make any fucking excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you know, don't, ma- you, don't you feel though, I got to tell you, man, I'm feeling like literally nothing's going to happen. ESPN's not touching this. Endeavor hasn't said anything yet. Yeah. If that know. stock price tumbles far enough, Endeavor will say something, but- it feels to me like, okay, this happened on New Year's Eve. We're all talking about other things. People, a lot of the sports media are on holidays. Like you said, they're getting cover from the DeMar Hamlin story, uh, all the bowl games going on. They might just be waiting to see. Can we get a week or two away from this story? Of course, there's some online uproar. People do know about it. But can we get far away from th- far enough away from this where people will just go, you know, it'll just blow over and they won't have to do anything. I, I, it feels to me right now, like that's their hope that that's their approach is let's just see, can we ride this out without having to do anything? And it's fucking gross, but it's, it wouldn't be overly shot. Like if your broadcast partner is ESPN and ESPN isn't covering this, you're going to skate, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's shit, man. But that's sort of how it looks right now. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. And Cause ESPN as as their broadcast partner knows Dana sells fights. Dana's very good at this. And so do you necessarily want him to go away? Yeah, but that's the stuff too. Like, and that's where, I don't know, like I said, this, it's tough because we haven't seen or heard anything yet and we get, it's tough. I I don't love to speculate, but I do want to believe the best in what's happening, what we don't know. I don't want to, like, I want to believe Dana White, ESPN, they are working on something like a foundation thing, money, some kind of a suspension. I want to believe that. I don't, like I said, I'm not a Dana White supporter. Yeah, I, the guy, show me. the guy, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I I'm going to see it. I want to see it first before, yeah. but I do want to believe that behind the scenes that Dana White isn't going to, I think there's a fight card this weekend that yeah. comes back after a couple of weeks off. It's yeah. just a, a fight pass. I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I think it's Gaslam's in the, yeah, in the main event, familiar, yeah. but I want to see something said or happen before that night. 
And I think I saw people reporting too. It's like this is the week where the like UFC just drops like two big names. Like here comes John Jones versus sure, Francis yeah. Ngannou in April or whatever it is. Like everybody goes, holy shit! I yeah. totally forgot now. And about that's the thing. Way. Like yeah. you said, everything kind of they kind of just sweep it under the rug. Yeah. They kind of push it away to the side. But the fact that I haven't heard anything or we haven't heard anything or say, seen or know what's going on with ESPN, the UFC in general, oh, yeah. or anything like that makes me believe that something is happening behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I want to believe the best in the situation. I'll believe it when I see yeah, it. Yeah, you got sure. more faith than me, man. I, I do just because, you know, as much as everybody um, – again, that's the thing. I feel like I'm a, a Dana White supporter here, and I'm not. I could care less about the dude. But I do want to believe the best in everybody. Maybe that's a fault of mine. I want to believe things are going and like yeah, you know and look, unless you can are, build a case when everybody look and I'm like you I'm certainly not defending mm-hmm. what Dana White did but you get drunk and you and your wife do something you yeah that like that doesn't you can't hit a woman you can't do it but if she yeah. slaps you and you kind of slap her back like it was multiple times too like yeah. that's the thing it wasn't like it was it didn't look like he was trying to knock her out either right like Oh, that doesn't matter to me. You just I, don't no, do I, yeah. I'm totally with you. It doesn't matter to me either. I'm not trying to defend Dana mm-hmm. White. But sometimes crazy shit happens, and if it's behind closed doors, you both wake up in the morning and go, holy fuck, that was stupid. <laughs> right? like, For sure. As opposed to, no, we're in the middle of a nightclub and somebody's filming us, and it's not going to play, right? And it shouldn't play. It's not okay. But some of these things that... I don't know. I, I honestly, now I feel like I'm the one defend, uh, defending Dana and I, I'm absolutely not. No. And, and that's the thing. It just, it's a messy situation. And if they're both saying like we were fucking totaled, that was not cool. You know, we hope you'll leave us alone so we can talk to our kids and, and deal with all this. There's a part of me that goes, maybe that you can't be the face of a publicly traded company right now, but Yeah we probably should leave you guys alone to sort out your family. Like, does that make sense? Like you can't be in charge of this company right now, but yeah, the media maybe should back away and let you guys figure your shit out. I, I don't, but at the same time, I am a little concerned that abused women often speak out in support of their abuser, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that would scare me a little in terms of, has this happened before? They both swear it hasn't. But maybe it has, and she's not willing to say it because she's either scared of him or I I don't know. There's a lot there, and that's the thing. We we and you know I put a lot of this like you know he says there's no excuses. There really isn't, right? Like, what are you doing? You You know, he's a 53 year old, and I don't you know whatever age is whatever. But you're 53, and you're out in a club with your wife on New Year's Eve. Like, you know what? I'm not like I'm not here to chirp or call. Like. But what are you doing? Like, you know, you've succeeded so much in life and, and what he's and done with the UFC. Why do you need to go? You're like, a very recognizable person that, as like, well. Why is someone videotaping you just, you know, or, you because know, because everybody knows who you are. But that's what I mean. Like, you got the cell phone up, but like, how does, like, I, I don't want to say it's, like, you know, staged and whatnot, but it's like, how is someone that on the ball to have their phone like, out? Uh, and to obviously me, it something seems was, more like, I don't know what might happen. But Dana White's here, and I'm going to film that. Maybe yeah. he'll have a shot. But did they have over. the phone up the whole night? Like I, that's, that's what right. I'm asking, though. Yeah. Like maybe I happening. didn't expect him to slap his wife, but I thought maybe he would do a shot and fall over, or maybe he would say something stupid to one of his friends, or like I don't know what Dana White might, do. and maybe he'll do nothing. But if he's going to do something, I'm going to have it on camera because that's just the way these people are mm-hmm. in 2022 in terms of trying 2023 now, mm-hmm. trying to catch celebrities in 
bad moments. You don't know what might happen, but you film them in case something happens. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's Yeah, and I think, like I said, the situation Dana put himself in is, you know, you're getting to the point where, and he says he's not using alcohol as an excuse, but he made sure to say that he was drinking yes. and so was his wife. Yes. You know, he's out at a club at the age of 53 with his wife on New Year's Eve, which do you really need to be there? Like, you know, you could be somewhere doing something. Sure. I'm not saying you can't celebrate it, but you know, what are you doing in a club? Like that's, it's like, what you, like you're putting yourself in a situation where, you know, there's I'm about no ex- to turn 40. And I can't remember the last time I felt like going to a club. Well, that's the thing, right? There's so much going on. I'm pretty old and by the time I'm 53, you got no shot of catching me in a club ever. That's the thing. This guy can do pretty much whatever he wants. He's made so much money. He's been so successful. And it comes back to the fact that his own words of you don't come back from putting your hands on your wife, your your, person, whoever it is, any women in general. not getting the benefit of the doubt. And that's the thing now. You don't deserve it. You know, he's, every time he does, he's going to have to answer questions about this from the media one time. He's going to have to respond. And like I said, they're they're both with the, there's no excuse. We were both drinking, but no excuse. Like, yeah, but you are making an excuse. So that's my thing. Like, good for you to get out there and say there's no excuse, but really it's not good for you because no one gives a shit. You just did it. And you've been ripping fighters and people and athletes and everybody. And you were the one that says you don't come back from it. So now what happens next? Like I said, I want to believe something's going on behind the scenes with ESPN where they're working on a, Hey, you know what? Go disappear for three to six months. Like you said, you know, put some money. We're going to donate it. We're going to start a fund for, you know, domestic abuse. And we're going to try and like, I want to believe it. I don't want to see this get ripped under the rug and just nothing happens. We don't, we don't know what's going to go on. And I need to make sure that I'm being clear. I, I, all I, you are, all I'm, all, all I'm saying is Dana, you better assume when you go anywhere, you're on camera when you're a celebrity. I'm sure he knows that too. Right. And so, yeah, you've been drinking and, and whatever else. And so when I say, you know, Someone in that club decided I'm going to film Dana all night because I don't know what he might do. He might do nothing and you just delete the film at the end of the night and that's that. But when you're a celebrity like that in a club like that, you better assume you're on camera and whether it's on camera or off, you're never going to be able to get away with putting your hands on a woman. But if it's caught on video as clearly as this was, no turning back, man. You've said all this time, like Mm -hmm. you said... There is no coming back from hitting a woman. Well, guess what? You're on film, clear as day, doing it. What now, man? Yeah. What now? What no. do you got to say now? And, That's the thing. and it's going to come from Endeavor. It's going to come from ESPN. Uh, the UFC itself isn't going to, because he's the head, right? Like he's mm-hmm. the face of it. If there's going to be a punishment, it's going to have to come from one of their corporate partners. And so far we've seen nothing. And no. I, that's, that's to me the whole reason that I wanted to bring up this story wasn't so much that he did it, which was important. It was why it's being hardly covered at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that just MMA being already kind of the bad boy in sports and people just don't want to be bothered? Or is it because they're partnering with, with some of these companies that are responsible for covering this? And it looked, if ESPN sees this as damaging to the UFC, well, then that's damaging to ESPN and maybe they just don't want to cover it. And that's fucking gross too, but it's on the table as a possibility. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. And I still think there's a lot, it is still something that's being talked about a lot online. Um, I haven't, you know, seen enough coverage in general of it. And maybe it's because we don't know enough behind the scenes. We don't know what's going on completely. And something is about to happen and they're going to release statements. Like I said, by the time this is, you know, finished recording, um, 
I, I want to hope and believe, like I said, I'm trying to be, you know, just believe the best in every, you know, situation here that, you know, we have updates on DeMar Hamlin and we have an update from Dana White, you know, doing the right thing here. And that's holding himself accountable for a situation where he's constantly talked about. That's what I think I want to see. And I hope to see, you know, in the next day or two. And by the time we're, you know, uh, done recording this podcast, that's yeah. what I want to see because at the end of the day, you know, the story is, you know, it's. It's not about football. It's not about anything. It's about Demar Hamlin and his life. At the end of the day, it's about the domestic abuse that we've seen. Right. Like you said, it's triggering to you know abuse you know those that have been abused in the past. Seeing that, it's triggering. It's it's unfortunate, and to see a video like that come out, and I don't need excuses about anything. Like no. the fact that you're going to say there's no excuses, but bring in all this stuff. Here's like you my said, excuses. <laughs> there's video. Like whether there's video evidence or not, whether there's you know witnesses, whatever. You're in public with your wife at a nightclub on New Year's Eve. And you put your hands on a woman that, you know, I don't care if it's your wife, your girlfriend, whoever it is, boyfriend, anything like that. You just don't do not it. okay, yeah. And it's not, like you said, just not okay. And you know what? If you're going to come out and defend yourself so quickly by saying there's no excuse, well then, you know, do don't the right thing any. next and back it the fuck up and That's right. let's see what you can do now. Steve Bunda, the hardest working man in showbiz. Drop and buy. They've, uh, they've kept him busy over at Bell Media here in town. We're keeping him busy here on TCA. And he's back in for more of Bell Media later today. Appreciate it as always, man. Come in and, and make the time for us and happy you were able to help us uh, open up the studio for the year 2023. Yeah, I, I hope I don't bring bad luck for 23 for this pod <laughs> for you or anybody. I still got to sneak out of here now before the Tolkien Audio fans come flying out and be like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing here, Bunda? Get the heck out of here. And they chase me down the road. But at the end of the day, thanks again for always asking me to come on. And I'm, I'm always here to... Come shoot the breeze, talk beer, talk sports, music, whatever we need to talk. There's always lots going on and, you know, uh, you know, we normally do this for UFC stuff or yeah. we just do shows in general, but, um, there is some big stuff coming up into, uh, 2023, whether it's UFC, we'll hit it sports, we're sure. going to hit it and yeah. I'm always down to come on and, and hang out with you, Maddie. So thanks again for having me on. And again, putting me as the, the number one in 2023, I don't know if I get a medal for that. I don't <laughs> know if I want one, but, uh, feel like uh, this comes back on you more than does me. So, Hey. Thank you, buddy, and appreciate it. Not a lot of trophies coming oh. out of here. Not a lot and of go Bucks. Tom Brady. We can't believe we went the whole show without <laughs> you asking me about Tom Brady and the Bucks sitting Oops, at eight and eight. Slipped my mind. Winning the NFC South. I don't know. You never ever asked me. What a gross about, division, man. Oh, what a gross. You know what? And it's a division where the Bucks should have been. You know, it, oh geez, so much better than they were. But the fact that they're they'll be lucky to be nine and eight to win this division <laughs> with the talent that they have and the way that the season's gone bothers me to no end. But uh, just you know. Tom Brady in the box, man, back into you know the playoffs. So just uh, hopefully you could bring me on to tee up a Super Bowl. We could do that. Uh, yeah, we can do that. Just if it's Tom Brady. If not, I don't want to do okay. it. <laughs> more music, more sports, more beer, more Bunda in 2023. We'll wind this one down here. He's on social media at SteveBunda91. We are at Tall Can Audio. Thank you all for checking out this edition of the show. It's going to be a great year here on Tall Can Audio, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. For Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll wrap this one up. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you all next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.